To God be the glory. Great things he has done. To God be the glory. Great things he has done. So of having a couple of baptisms today, so please be seated. Well, good morning. It's a blessing <coughs> always to greet the church family from Baptismal Waters. Uh, this is Matt Hildebrand, and uh, Matt and I were just talking about how God has changed his life. He grew up in a church where it was highly works-based, and he was basically told, uh, if you don't follow in baptism, then you're going to hell. Or if you're not baptized, you're going to hell, which is a full-force works-based uh, attempt to make yourself right with God. But about 12 years ago, the Lord invaded his heart, and he said it was a salvation unto repentance and turning to Christ and trusting Jesus. And he said that um, he felt like he needed to go through baptismal waters again as a believer. Amen? Believer's baptism. So, man, I, I love these big scratches. He's 36 years old, and God is still working in his life, and he's not ashamed to stand for Jesus. Amen. What a blessing. You can be seated. <laughs> Matt, upon your profession of faith, desiring to confess Jesus through baptismal waters in, and in obedience to the Great Commission, it's my privilege to baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. For we are buried with Christ through baptism. We are raised to walk in newness of life. From giant to little, right? <laughs> she gave me that look like, okay, preacher. 
Well, what a blessing. This is Joy Stevens, and she's the daughter of Ernie and Jill Stevens. And Ernie's actually one of our testimonies today. So what a blessing in Baptist men's life to have one of the children, his daughter, baptized today. And we've talked a lot, Miss Jill standing here, about the gospel and about trusting Jesus. And uh, we just couldn't talk her out of it. Amen. And so here she stands today letting you know that she knows Jesus as her Lord and Savior. Joy upon your profession of faith and coming to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's my privilege to baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. For we're buried with Christ through baptism and raised to walk in newness of life. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask uh, Chris to, to come lead us in a prayer and a, um, a, a devotion talking about Baptist Men's Day. By the way, have, I, have you noticed something's different on the stage? Yeah, yeah. It's Baptist Men's Day. And amen. Glad, so thankful to have all the guys up here. And you'll be hearing from them in just a little bit. Chris? So today, as we think about Baptist Men's Day and men's ministry, I wanted to turn our attention to uh, 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Paul is giving final instruction to the Corinthians in this letter, and he says, Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. What does he mean when he says to act like men? Here, he is telling them to take courage. We see it enclosed with be watchful, stand firm in the faith, and be strong. These are calls to courage, conviction, and strength. We do not see this verb act like men and be strong much in the New Testament, but it is all over the Old Testament. We see it in uh, Deuteronomy 31 as Moses is ending his life, and he tells the people, be strong and courageous. He even passes that along to Joshua. And the Lord also commissions Joshua further down in Deuteronomy 31 and tells him, Be strong and courageous, for you shall bring the people of Israel into the land that I swore to give them. I will be with you. And King David, in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 2, he tells Solomon, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. Be strong. Show yourself a man. Keep the charge of the Lord your God walking in his ways and keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules, his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn, that the Lord may establish his word that he spoke concerning me, saying, if your sons pay close attention to their way to walk before me in faithfulness with all their heart and with all their soul, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. So as we see David here, He's told the world, he's, he's giving this charge to show yourself a man. It is a call to obedience. It is to advance the purpose of God as he's giving this charge to Solomon. We are told to live in this world, though we are not of it. This is not an easy task as we see this throughout God's word, but we are in the world for a very specific purpose. He sent us into the world that we might testify to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our purpose in this world is to Declare the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And how do we do this? How do we be obedient, strong, courageous men in this current ge generation, in this world, in this community, in this church, in our homes? Well, let's look at 
a pep talk that the Lord actually gives Joshua directly in Joshua 1, 5 through 9. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do all to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So this morning, as you think, ask yourself, do I live a life in my home, in my community, that shows that my God is real? Does it affect my way of living, or is it just something I talk about on Sundays? So with that thought in mind, let's uh, join me in prayer, please. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. Our almighty God, just as you told Joshua, you will not leave us or forsake us. And we can worship you knowing that you are over all, that you are in all. You uh, are the wisest, you know all things. You are everywhere we go. We cannot hide from you. We cannot, you will not leave us, Lord. And as we, we rest in your promises on your word, and as we worship you as a body this morning, as we learned in our Sunday school lesson today, we're one body in Christ. We're joined in Christ and joined with each other. And as we serve, Lord, as men and women in First Baptist Church Ozark, in, in this community, in the world, Lord, we just ask that we live lives that glorify you in all we say and do. And we ask that you help us to be doers, not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. But we just ask, Lord, that you continue to sanctify us and grow us in the faith and build each other up. And we just give you all praise and glory as we worship you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You'll notice in the pew back uh, behind you there, in front of you there, I should say, uh, there's a blue card that says uh, connection card. And uh, if you want any information about what it means to be a Christian, any more information about the church, we would love to know how to contact you. So please fill that out and we will minister to you however you uh, would ask us to. And uh, please fill that out, put that in the offering plate, or you can take it to the connection card area, connection area, uh, there in the main lobby. You'll see it there as you, as you depart today, all right? Um, so on the heels of what uh, Brother Chris had to just share with us, let's sing this great, great hymn that reminds us to do just that. Stand up. Stand up for Jesus.
you can tell again it is a men's day and praise the Lord for all the guys who volunteered to be a part of our choir today uh, by the way we won't have a show of hands some were voluntold so you no know, no don't don't show those hands no but uh, we're going to we're going to share a song uh, that I, I believe is so near and dear to the heart of God because it's about simply knowing him knowing you Jesus Knowing you, there is no greater thing.
Lord God, at this time, we just want to continue this time of worship as we give back to you what you've so uh, lavishly blessed us with. And Lord, may this be an offering that would just bring joy to, to your heart and would bring um, a ministry to this church and to this community and to the world. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand, when everything around me is shaken. I
be seated we've got a gentleman coming that had the there he and his family have just lived out that truth he won't fail brad come and share with us well what a joy it is to worship the lord with all of you today so you can go ahead and go to the first slide Thank you for allowing me to speak to all of you today. My name is Brad Gaddy, for those of you that don't know me. My wife Megan and I have been members of FBCO for about four years now. And during that time, we've gone through the long journey that led us to having our two boys, Bridger and Colson. And today I'd like to share that story with all of you. And my hope is that it's edifying for you all to hear and glorifying to God who has blessed my wife and I so tremendously by giving us these two boys you can go ahead and go to the next slide. So before having Bridger and Colson, Megan and I struggled for years to have children without success. We visited multiple doctors, but no physical cause was ever determined for us not getting pregnant. And during this time, my wife and I experienced many times of sadness and grief. However, as I'm sure many of you can relate to, it's often during times of trial and grief that we are pressed by the Holy Spirit to draw nearer to God for comfort and peace. My wife and I were comforted with the knowledge that throughout scripture, God is the opener and closer of the womb. For all three generations of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the wives of these men struggled with infertility. In Genesis 21, we see God open Sarah's womb and she gives birth to Isaac in spite of her and Abraham's old age. In Genesis 25:21, we see that Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren and the Lord granted his prayer and Rebecca, his wife, conceived. She would go on to have the twins, Jacob and Esau. And in Genesis 30, we see God open Rachel's womb for her to bear Jacob's son, Joseph. It reads, then God, then God remembered Rachel, and God listened to her and opened her womb. She conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach, and she called his name Joseph. And later in 1 Samuel, we see Hannah plead with the Lord for a son at the temple of the Lord. And chapter 1, verse 20 reads that the Lord remembered her, and in due time Hannah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Samuel. For she said, 
I have asked for him from the Lord. These passages are a testament to God's sovereignty over the womb and that he works all things according to his plans. In each of these verses, we see that the wording shows us that God is the active agent working. He did to Sarah as he had promised. The Lord granted the prayers. God opened these women's wombs. Knowing that God is sovereign in every situation gave my wife and I peace as we relied on him during our time of infertility. At one of Megan's checkups for, with one of her doctors, her, OBG, her OBGYN brought up the option of embryo adoption, a process that neither my wife or myself had ever heard of. Megan began learning about it and wanted to consider the idea, but initially I was skeptical because I didn't understand what it was or how it was done, and Megan and I were both hesitant about trying anything to conceive that involved any kind of procedure or extra means. Neither of us wanted to violate our consciences before God, and we knew the possibility that it could be his plan for us to remain childless. However, after learning more about it, praying about it, and meeting with Pastor Philip, we decided that not only would it not violate our consciences, but that it would be glorifying to God to pursue embryo adoption. To explain why we believe that embryo adoption is glorifying to God, I want to talk about what embryo adoption is. But to explain embryo adoption, I first need to talk about IVF, which is a different kind of procedure. IVF stands for in vitro fertilization and is a process that couples use around the world to try to become pregnant. The procedure involves gathering a collection of the woman's eggs along with the man's sperm. Scientists are then able to take the sperm and eggs they collect and they attempt to induce fertilization or what many refer to as the moment of conception. This is the moment when a sperm and egg are no longer separate entities but have combined to form an embryo, which is a baby at its very earliest stages. The scientists then take one or more embryos and return them back into the woman's body with the hope that the baby embryo will implant and that she will become pregnant. However, the science of in vitro fertilization, or IVF, can be very imprecise, and many couples can end up with as many as eight or 10 or even 12 or more embryos after going through IVF treatments. All of these are little babies. This means that if a couple has success with IVF, they often have multiple babies that are left over and stuck in a state of limbo. Tragically, many couples choose to destroy their baby embryos after going through IVF. If not destroyed, these babies are frozen and can be thawed and conceived later on. The NEDC, the place where Megan and I did our embryo adoption, estimates that there are close to one million frozen embryos in the United States alone. That's one million frozen babies waiting, perhaps indefinitely, to be either born or destroyed. This is where embryo adoption and the NEDC come into play. The NEDC is the National Donation Center, National Embryo Donation Center in Knoxville, Tennessee. They are a Christian organization and their mission is to protect the lives and dignity of human embryos and to share the love of Christ while striving to place every donated embryo into a loving home. They do this by seeking out and collecting embryos 
that are left over by couples who have gone through IVF and encouraging these couples not to destroy these precious embryos. They then seek out and try to find married couples who wish to adopt these embryos, giving them a chance at life. You can go ahead and go to the next slide. Yeah! Yeah, so. <laughs> so these are, this is a picture of uh, our two boys, Bridger and Colson, and these are what they looked like as embryos. Those, that's only five days after conception, given they were, they were frozen, and I'll talk about that a little bit more later, but uh, yeah, that's them in their very earliest stages. So, <laughs> in society today, unfortunately, many people deny that these embryos are babies, or even alive, either through ignorance or willful denial. This is reflected in the law of the United States, where across the country, these embryos are considered to be nothing more than personal property. You might hear them dismissively referred to as a clump of cells. This couldn't be further from the truth, and in fact, it's a lie straight from the mouth of the devil. Once conceived, these embryos, even at this very early stage, have all of their human DNA and genetic makeup. They are growing every hour, and scientists can even determine whether each embryo is a boy or a girl. Embryo adoption is a great proof for the humanity of these embryos, as neither myself nor Megan contributed any kind of DNA or genetic information to either of our two boys. As little embryos, like you see up here in this picture, they already had everything that makes them uniquely human and individual. My wife Megan simply provided them a place to grow and develop through her pregnancy. The same babies that were transferred into Megan as tiny embryos are the same babies that she delivered eight months later. You can go ahead and go to the next slide. Now one tragic aspect of embryo adoption is that many embryos do not survive the process. Some are lost during the thawing process before they're transferred to the mother Others fail to implant into the mother's uterus, and still others can be miscarried later in the pregnancy. Megan and I experienced this loss firsthand after our first embryo transfer in December of 2022. At this time, we had one embryo transferred that sadly failed to implant, resulting in a miscarriage. In a follow-up visit with the doctor from the NEDC, we found out the embryo was a little girl and in the weeks following, we grieved losing her. During that time, many of you surrounded us and encouraged us with prayer and encouragement. And being in church where we could worship with you all and sing praise to God was paramount in guiding us through this time. And today we are comforted in knowing that she is at home with the Lord. You can go ahead and go to the next slide. A few months later, in February of last year, we had returned to the NEDC for our second transfer attempt. This time we would be transferring two embryos, hoping and praying that both would survive an implant and that we would be blessed with twins, but not knowing what would happen. We were still mourning the loss of our first embryo, and it was a challenge for us to feel as hopeful going into our second attempt, and we were struggling with doubt. Even embryos in good condition according to most studies, have a live birth rate 
only as high as 40 or 50 percent, meaning that under good circumstances, our statistical chance of twins would only be somewhere between 16 percent and 25 percent. Oh, church, but today I'm pleased to say that our God is not a God bound by numbers and statistics, but is powerful and mighty, and when it comes to his plans, the odds are always 100 percent. Praise the Lord. And to the glory of God, eight months later, my wife would give birth to our two boys that the Lord in his goodness chose to give my wife and I. Another way that God has blessed Megan and I throughout this process is by allowing us to participate in the act of adoption itself. In scripture, spiritual adoption is a wonderful truth that Christians should find tremendous joy in. In Ephesians, a book that if you've been coming to church here for a while, you should have at least a passing familiarity with. (laughs) It reads in chapters 1, verses 3 to 7, Blessed be the God and Father, excuse me, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him, In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. Isn't it wonderful and amazing that God would choose to adopt a wretched sinner like myself, who through my own action was only deserving of his contempt and wrath. But now, through the redemptive power of Christ on the cross, I'm not only forgiven of my sins, but welcomed into God's family and treated not as a sinner, but as a son whom God loves. What a truly inexpressible gift of graciousness and mercy that is not only for myself, but for all who call upon the name of the Lord. And it's my hope that as I raise my adopted sons, that I'll be able to show them even a fraction of the graciousness, mercy, and love that God has shown me, and that by doing this very imperfectly, I pray that they too will be pressed upon by the Holy Spirit to draw near to God and honor, glorify, and love him in the way that they live their lives. You can go ahead and go to the next slide. And in sharing our story with all of you today, it is my wife and I's prayer that the Lord would be made much of and that it would testify to his goodness. And we also pray that by sharing our experience, more people, and particularly Christians, would learn about and consider embryo adoption. As I mentioned earlier, there's an estimated one million embryos frozen in the United States alone, and as IVF becomes more and more common, it's likely to just continue to go up each year. Many of them have been frozen for years without an end in sight. Our baby Bridger was frozen for at least three years, and Colson was frozen for nearly 10. If you know of any couples struggling with infertility or who are looking to expand their family, I'd encourage you to tell them that embryo adoption is an option. My wife and I 
as I'm sure many of you know who have talked to us, uh, we're an open book when it comes to telling our story. So if you or someone you know would want to talk more about embryo adoption, we'd love to talk to them on the, on the phone or meet up with them to go over more of the specifics. I went ahead and put my wife and I's email on this slide that you all can reference if that's the case. And in closing, I'd like to thank all of you for listening to me today. I also want to thank all of you who prayed for Megan and I throughout this process. We were so encouraged and lifted up by everyone praying for us in Sunday school and at Wednesday night prayer meetings. And we know that many of you outside of those groups were praying for us as well. So we thank you all for that. We're truly grateful. It really was such an encouragement and a blessing. Thank you. God bless you, Brad and Megan. Let's sing another song that uh, just will encourage us and challenge us to build our life on just the principles that Brad just shared with us, our trust in, in God. song we could ever sing, worthy of all the praise we could ever breathe, worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Show me who you are and 
You ready to come and share with us? God bless you, brother. Wow. Good morning. Uh, I'm Ernie Stevens. Uh, I want to thank, uh, thank First Baptist Ozark. Um, my daughter got baptized today. Amen. And I remember quite a while um, the baby dedication, and you all covenanted with us for her. And this kind of feels like a fulfillment of that. So, to the staff and the volunteers and the, the people that change the lights and sweep the floors, whatever you do here, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I want to speak a little bit about Moses. Um, the pastor asked me for a testimony and a challenge a couple weeks ago, and uh, I, didn't, I didn't talk with Chris, but uh, I picked Moses also. And uh, in Exodus chapter 4, it talks about God's calling of Moses through the, uh, the burning bush. So let's start with chapter 3, uh, verse... 
And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, and yet the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to look, God called to him from the bush, in the midst of the bush, and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Wow, Moses was on it that day. He had, he had the right answer. Now, as you look through the next three dozen verses or so and on into chapter 4, everyone knows the story. Um, God calls Moses, and Moses says, who am I? Okay? And a few verses later, as God's giving him instruction, Moses said, well, who will I say sent me? A little bit farther, God gives more instruction to Moses. Moses says, they will not believe me. And finally, the last bit of verses here, chapter 4, verse 10, Moses said to the Lord, please, Lord, I've never been eloquent, nor recently, nor time in the past, nor since thou hast spoken with me, thy servant, for I am slow to speech and slow of tongue. And the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Who has made him deaf or dumb or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now then go, and I, even I, will be with your mouth and will teach you what you are to say. But he said, please, Lord, now send the message by whoever thou wilt. So the, the fourth time Moses questioned. In the final verse, verse 14 of chapter 4, then the anger of the Lord burned against Moses. We know the story. Uh, the Lord appointed Moses' brother Aaron to speak for him. And... Uh, Moses was sent to the Israelites to free them to, from captivity. Now let's, uh, let's segue from there into, into my testimony. Uh, I was a young man uh, going to vacation Bible school in Shenandoah, Iowa, small town in southwest Iowa, about 5,200 people. And I responded to the Lord's call that day with two other young men. Uh, our teacher was Galenis Pruitt, wonderful lady. And the three of us prayed and accepted Christ that day and 1979 that sounds like a long time ago for some of you students but <laughs> it's not um, I live my life as a good kid if you're in a small town it's hard to get away with much uh, and if you're in a small church it's even harder <laughs> um, southwest Iowa northern Missouri is a mission field if you have a church up there, a Southern Baptist church, you're looking, a good-sized church is 40 people, and that's counting the students, that's counting the babies. Uh, there are, I looked last night at the Baptist uh, Association of Iowa, there were nine Southern Baptist churches in the southwest corner of Iowa. It's very, very spartan, very, very open. There's, there's a lot of room for growth, a lot of work to be done. They estimated uh, in the town of Shenandoah, 80% of the people were unchurched, didn't go to a church, didn't have a church to go to on Sunday. Um, I got to thinking, what's, what's our percentage down here in Ozark? Maybe 60%? Uh, that's, that's just a ballpark number. I don't know. But there's, you know, we don't have to drive five hours to Iowa or northern Missouri either. We've got a mission field right here where we can do something. Uh, so I was, I was a decent kid, did well in life, went through life. What do you do after you graduate? Well, you go to college. 
Yay. I went to a Baptist college, so once again, I couldn't do much. <laughs> but I found a way to fail out of a Baptist college after three semesters. <laughs> and I moved back home. And after, after being away, you just can't stay at home. So I took the plunge and uh, signed up for the United States Navy. Six years later, I still didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew a lot of what I didn't want to do. Uh, got out of the Navy, worked in industry, went back to school, succeeded this time. While I was going back to school, I met my wife. And a uh, great story. We got married. She's the best thing that's ever happened outside of Jesus. And we were privileged to have two, two children, James and Joy. And uh, we've been here at Ozark First Baptist for about 13 years now-ish, give or take. And probably been 14 years, members for 13. We love you all. We thank you all. Thank you for, for what you do. Let's, let's turn back to Moses now. That's my, uh, that's my testimony. Let's get back to Moses. Moses knew exactly what to say when God called him. Here I am. Here am I. But it wasn't two minutes later Moses was questioning. I wonder, are they going to accept me? I don't speak well. Who are they, they going to say sent me? It wasn't two minutes. Moses was in the presence of God, manifested in that burning bush. He audibly heard God speak to him, and he responded. And his first, his first response was down the line. Here am I. Everybody wants to be in church when it's a potluck Sunday. Everybody wants to be in church when it's Easter and Christmas. What do you want to do when the hard times come? And, and folks, I can point the finger right back at me. I'm not up here, I'm not up here preaching at you. Um, so Moses failed. He failed and failed and failed. And the verse I ended with, and the Lord's anger was kindled against Moses. What does that mean? I know when my anger is kindled against my children, you know, about the, about the fourth time you tell them to get up or the fourth time you tell them to get to bed, my anger is kindled. It's not that significant in the big picture, apparently. But when the Lord's anger is kindled, what does that mean? What does it mean for us when we've asked questions, when we've not followed through, when we've not kept that right answer every time? I don't know. Uh, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll see the answer in heaven at the judgment. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll see the opportunities we missed. I don't know. That's speculation on my part. I'm not a theologian. But regardless, we have a loving God. We have a forgiving God. And before Moses was done, through divine inspiration, he wrote the first five books of the Bible. Now, we may have some authors, and we do have some authors in here. My mother-in-law is an author. But who can, who can lay claim to lighting, writing a treatise like that? He's got the Pentateuch in his, in his resume. Um, he led the children of Israel for 40 years. Uh, and when it was all said and done, yeah, he didn't make it into the promised land, but he made the book of faith in Hebrews. Multiple mentions in there. So even, even though the Lord's anger was kindled against him, somehow 
Moses was forgiven and was able to perform what the Lord had in store for him. And today on Men's Day, I want us to, I would like to speak to the men that regardless of what you have done, regardless of your past, regardless of your age, it's never too late to start listening for the Lord's call and responding appropriately. Moses was a murderer. You know, a few chapters before, he killed an Egyptian and ran. You know, we can all, we can all play some part. Once again, thank you, First Baptist. Um, thank you for the opportunity. Let me, before our time of invitation, kind of build on what we've talked about, building our life. And this verse also echoes the song, Knowing You. Listen to the word of the Lord. This is Paul. It's kind of his autobiography of the fact of his pedigree. I mean, the guy had more degrees than a thermometer. Unbelievable. Benjamite whole nine yards, Hebrew of Hebrews, but all of that was insignificant to knowing Christ. Listen to this verse, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Paul basically says, this one thing I do, forgetting all those things which are behind, I press toward the mark. And that's our encouragement to you. Build your life upon the firm foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let your number one thing in life, men, be this. That you count everything as loss. For the surpassing glory, the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, your Lord. Amen. My heart's always full on Baptist Men's Day. Oh, I mean, you guys... Praise the Lord for you, for both of you. Uh, Brad's family, a lot of them are here, and glad to have you here in attendance today. And Mr. Ernie, I know you got family I saw around, yes, down through there, and to God be the glory. Thank you all for coming and encouraging. That's why I, we leave the men in the choir. And by the way, uh, I heard some of our seniors in the back said, never seen this many men in the choir. What a blessing. Now, we did threaten some of the young people that they had to sing, but... but um, <laughs> What a, what a huge blessing today. So thank you all for coming. And uh, it, it takes a lot of courage uh, to stand up here and give a word of testimony. But uh, I always say to the men once I ask them and there's any hesitation, I say, well, just give it a little while and pray about it. And every time they come back and say, what else can I do, preacher? I pretty much, I got to do it. I got to stand for the Lord. So praise the Lord for that. Uh, we're going to have a hymn of invitation. Uh, I don't know what that looks like for you. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's to trust Jesus as Lord. Uh, maybe it's a commitment uh, that you need to make. Maybe it's a promise you need to uh, receive and claim from the Word of God, which gives us so many wonderful, incredible promises. Whatever that may be, I'm going to ask Brother David to lead uh, a song, and you respond in obedience, right? Moses. Lord, please send someone else. You know, in spite of that plea, when God makes his decision, 
He's going he's gonna, to he's gonna raise up an Aaron to speak, or he's going to teach Moses the lessons he needed to learn in life. And so uh, don't say, Lord, send someone else. Uh, respond like Isaiah did. Even though Isaiah was called to go to a people who were not going to listen, he still said in Isaiah 6 verse 8, Here am I, Lord, send me. Lord, use me. Use me for your glory. And that's what my prayer is for you guys. Let's stand and let's sing together. Sing, holy there is none like Holy there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me into love to those around me. I will build my life upon be seated. Come up here, Hank. This is Hank Rees, and he's standing with his daddy, Garrett, and Hank wants you to know that he's trusted Christ. His parents have <laughs> talked to him. And, <laughs> and uh, I think that was back some time ago that he actually put his faith and trust in Christ. And his parents, we want to look at the, see how the consequences bear out in their lives? How do they feel about sin now? And what's their response to it? Are they convicted and how do they respond? And so uh, Hank's ready to follow in believer's baptism. So we want to stand in before the church and let y'all know that. Amen? Amen. All right, we're proud of you, Hank. Praise the Lord. Brittany, um, as is the case in our church, God has called many out of this church into the ministry. And uh, Brittany wants to stand before you today and our church wants to join her and praying for her because she surrendered into the ministry. And for women, that part is not to preach, all right, but to be a children's minister. And so she uh, already has a bachelor's degree, and so she's headed off to Midwestern Seminary. Most of it will be online, but she will have a lot to do there on campus as well. 
And so we say glory to Jesus. Amen. So we want you to pray for Brittany. All right. God bless you. Praise the Lord. All right. Uh, man, what a great day. Tonight we'll have the privilege of taking part in an elder ordination service for nine of the lay elders in our church. And looking forward to that tonight. Hope you'll come. Uh, that service is blocked off for an hour and a half. So you Baptists have to deal with it. We start at 530. We're going to end somewhere around 7. But, but like most Baptists do, we're going to help you out. We're going to feed you. All right? When it's over, there's going to be some uh, food, finger foods and things like that in the fellowship, uh, in the commons around 7. So hope you'll come and support tonight. And again, thank you gentlemen. Brad, Ernie, thank you all for sharing. To God be the glory. Uh, families, thank you for being here. A special thanks to your wives. Amen. We ought to do Bap uh, Baptist Women's Day too, right? Yes. Yeah, all right. That's what I'm talking about. Amen. But to God be the glory. Glad you were here today. Look forward to seeing you tonight. Don? Yeah, uh, that's a great idea. Uh, Ernie? Oh, you want Matt? Joy, the baptismal candidates. If y'all want to go to the back, we'll have people uh, greet you. And then, of course, we love for you to speak to Ernie and Brad as well. All right? God bless you. Before we uh, dismiss, uh, just a, a couple of quick uh, th funny things happened on the way to Baptist Men's Day. Uh, we were, we're practicing, and, 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 and Jeffrey pulls out this ukulele. And, and he says, when is my solo? <laughs> Praise God, it didn't happen. <laughs> the... The other, the other thing is, all the, all the junior high and high school kids were up here helping us. Praise God for you guys. And I, I went down here to these lovely young ladies, and I said, y'all look lonely down here. And they said, no, we're good. <laughs> God bless you. I'll see you back for ordination tonight.